As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to... Episode 138, studentloanplanner.com. Hey, Money Clan, a very warm welcome to another episode of the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So, Katie, today's for everyone that's got a student loan. And who has one? Me. You and almost every other millennial ever, just about. <laughs> yeah, well, I will say I've been working very hard at paying off my student loans, so I am a little bit proud of myself. Yes. I so- have been averaging about $3,000 payments a month for the last forever seeming. Yeah. Um, But well on my way and goal of paying it all off by my birthday. Yeah. So hopefully that is actually going to work out for me. But uh, so today's episode, Den, obviously with it being student loan related, is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And so for anyone that doesn't know, your birthday's in May. So yes. you've got an additional, at this point, 12, 13? 12 or 13. I don't know. 12 or 13,000 left. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to make it by May, which means you have to consistently make big payments. So Ugh. yeah. And, and you know, like you're in the struggle and this, this is the hard time that you're going through right now is that you've set yourself a goal. You're trying to get there and trying to figure out that plan and, you know, just keep to it and stick to it. it and and debt's like that. It's something you need to really get yourself a plan and try and figure out where you're going to go to. Yeah. Well, and then I've, one thing I've learned through paying off debt is a, it is not fun, but the hardest part is keeping the momentum going. And, yeah. you know, when your friends are all going on vacations and they're doing this and they're doing that, techn- I have the money, but I am choosing to put my money towards my loan instead of going and doing stuff, which I guess ultimately I wish I would have done when I was younger. Yeah. So I'm. But you have to, at least you're making progress. I'm doing right it now. now. Yeah. So. so um, and I tell myself it will not be there forever. Yeah. So during the sponsored episode today, like you guys can listen if you are, if you do have a student loan and you're considering about refinancing, the sponsor today, it's actually a post that we've created, but definitely be sure to check it out if that's something you are considering. And also, we would just love if you guys could maybe join us in the Facebook group. You can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. 
We really enjoy our community. We've got some really great questions coming out of it's there lately. It's been really, really fun. Yeah, I love it's talking been really to everybody. Fun just like mingling with people and we are super duper responsive. So we would love to hear from you and hear all about whatever you're doing, whether it's you're paying with student loans, saving for a house. Someone is always busy with something financial. Mm-hmm. So we would love if you could join us and let us know what you're up to. Awesome. You ready to dive into today's episode? Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Travis Hornsby is the chief student loan planner at studentloanplanner.com. He started Student Loan Planner in October 2016 after helping his wife and her friends figure out their six bigger student loans. Travis used to be a bond trader, so he took his Excel-heavy skill sets and built models for how to save money paying back student loan debts. Welcome, hey, Travis. Travis. Hey, great to be here, Dennis and Katie. Yeah, so I am in the middle of my student loan payoff. Katie, I, actually, Katie actually made a payment this morning <laughs> just before like, the call. <laughs> literally a second ago, I just made a $500 uh, payment. So... I can totally get behind what you're doing. And I wanted to know what one of the big mistakes you see people making with their student loans. I'm so honored, Katie. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I was like, you know what? We're going to talk to Travis about student loans. And I guess I'll just make a student loan payment. That seems to kind of be what I do now when I'm bored. I just make student loan payment. (laughs) So so when you graduated, right? Um, did was it was it a little tough the first year out or did you just kind of come out you know guns blazing just totally did fantastic in that first year so income like, wise pe- for income wise oh no like um, pretty, pretty I actually, rough would you say yeah I actually took some time off between college and like real life and I don't know when smart I, person yeah when I graduated at like twenty one I think I was a little bit of a mess actually like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I had this degree, but I didn't really know where I was going to work. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I kind of took some time off. So I definitely did not jump into like a well-paying job. Okay. Okay. Well, then here's one little hack that you could have done back at 21, 22. (laughs) Um, So if you graduate and you have a $0 income, which most people when they graduate until they start their first job in like July or August have a $0 income, what you can do with your student loan debt is you can consolidate it with the federal government mm-hmm. and convert it into a direct consolidation loan. And the reason that that helps you is you can lock in $0 a month payments on something called the revised pay-as-you-earn plan. And that revised pay-as-you-earn plan gives you a 50% interest subsidy in all of your student loan interest for that first year. Oh. So in other words, if you have a 6% interest rate, using revised pay-as-you-earn with a consolidation strategy as soon as you graduate can cut your interest rate in the first year down to 3%. Katie's looking at me with a blank face right now. <laughs> well, I yeah. kind of wish I would have met you like a decade ago. <laughs> so, so there was, so there was, there was a, there was a call, uh, not, a, not a call. There was an article, sorry, in CNBC about these uh, borrowers that fled to India to get away from their student loan debt, right? And they were talking about how they're in default and they've never been happier and they just like don't want to even deal with it. But I was like, this is literally like the worst thing they could possibly do because of something called the foreign earned income tax exclusion. So you can exclude up to 100K of income that you make overseas in your U.S. tax returns. So in other words, these people who are defaulted with their interest compounding, 
like 16% collection fees, like, you know, that kind of thing that's just destroying their credit, making it so hard to come back. Instead, they could have been on an income-based program like Re- Revised Page Word or Page Word and have payments that are $0 a month. So all they'd have to do is literally send in their tax return. And instead of being in default, they could be getting, you know, interest subsidies and having a payment of $0 a month with their in- interest growing, you know, very, very slowly. And it's just amazing to me the the level of uh, lack of understanding out there of student loan debt and just how much people are hurt by it. <laughs> do you think it just boils down to a lack of education and like people just don't do their homework? So think about the financial aid officer that you talk to to get your student loans. Oh, that God. Per- right. That person, <laughs> no no offense to them. Actually, my, my mother-in-law is, is a financial aid officer at a community college. So I have to really be careful here. But, you know. <laughs> But, but in reality, like they're nice people, but like on average, like, you know, a financial aid officer might make what 40 to 60,000 a year. Right. And so that is more of a like income that you would expect a service based professional to earn, meaning that you should not necessarily trust that they're going to give you advice that's in your best interest financially. You know, that's, that's a different kind of professional with a different income level, frankly. And that person gets fired if they can't get the student loans to the university or institution to pay for your education. They do not get fired if they give you really bad advice on taking out student loan debt in the first place and managing it. Right. Mm. So, so in other words, you've got this failure of, uh, and it's really an agency problem where the people, you know, that are getting you into the debt in the first place have almost no incentive to say, you know, Hey, maybe it's really a bad idea to go get, $200,000 to go to chiropractic school and to make 50000 a year. Or maybe it's a really bad idea to take out 400000 of student loan debt to become a veterinarian and make $80,000 a year. But the problem is, is if they said that, then they wouldn't have a job. So it's com- just complete conflict of interest. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I say that salespeople at used car lots are, are pretty nice. Like they can do such limited damage to your budget. You know, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the, if you look at the financial aid offices, I don't think that a lot of the folks are intentionally necessarily, you know, aggressive salespeople destroying people's futures, but they're certainly unwitting. Well, and it makes sense too, because typically the people going to the financial aid office are 17, 18, 19 years old, and they don't know what they're doing. So they're just going to do whatever they are told to do. Well, Katie, you know, it's funny is the 18, 19 year olds can do limited damage to themselves because of caps on undergraduate borrowing. So it's very difficult as an undergrad to take out more than 30 something thousand for under, for, for college, in, at least in the federal loan system. You can certainly take out way more than that with your parents with the parent plus loan system. The real dangers and damage that I see happen a lot is folks that go to graduate school because graduate school borrowing has no limits at all. You can borrow all the way up to the quote unquote cost of attendance. And so all of these schools figured this out when this law passed in 2006 that changed this cap. So the schools realized that they could literally just make up a cost of attendance number and put it onto the federal credit card. And then people could pay based on their income instead of absolute payments. So then there's no connection to the actual cost of the education. So I want to pick your brain a bit about with the graduate school and everything. Do you think the student loan crisis is getting worse? It's getting worse and better at the same time, which is kind of a cop-out answer, but let me explain <laughs> why. So the there's like a bimodal distribution of borrowers right now. There's people who owe like 20 to 60K or maybe even 20 to 80K that the economy is doing really well. 
they're making incomes, uh, they're able to pay down their debt. So you actually, if you look at the student loan debt from like zero to 80,000, those borrowers are doing pretty well. Like they're getting rid of the debt for the most part. You know, they're, the, the problems in that debt pool are the people who are in default that frankly just like don't understand about the income-based repayment options that are available to them. And, you know, they would be similar folks that might default on a credit card or forget to open certain bills. Like, you know, and, and, and some of it is, you know, like, you know, predatory for profit institutions. I don't want to necessarily seem like I'm blaming borrowers, but like the, you know, the, the people who are defaulting and below 80,000 of student loan debt, the government's going to get their money because they can garnish wages. And usually the average default is like $10,000. Where the big problem is from a personal finance standpoint, and really what we focus on is that fifty thousand to a million dollar borrower. And the you know, if you look at the data for the the borrower that owes more than eighty thousand in the federal cohort, that group of people is growing at an exponential rate. So folks that owe more than two hundred thousand dollars, the number of borrowers that owe over two hundred thousand is growing. It's it's doubling every four years, which is really astonishing. So you know, you're going to see like one and a half million borrowers probably in about four years. They're going to have over 200 grand in student loan debt individually. And, you know, that number I would expect if the, the laws are not changed is going to continue to get worse and worse and worse until you've got, you know, a few million people with, with uh, mortgage sized student loan balances. So do you think we're going to get to a position where we just have got like tons of people that are in that bigger category, the like 80,000 to a million? Um, we're going to get a whole bunch of those people and a lot of them are just going to get on the income-based repayment program and in, in, in short, end up not paying a substantial portion of their debt. Ultimately, someone's got to bear the brunt of that yeah. not non-repayment. So do you think it's going to become a federal problem or what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I wrote an article uh, a couple of year or two ago that the Government Accountability Office said that they think that the original estimates on income-based repayment and public service loan forgiveness uh, and loan forgiveness in general are, are wrong. They think instead of the government making money, which is what the original assumptions were, they said the government's going to lose $108 billion. And uh, and I said, no, that's wrong. It's not going to be $108 billion. It's going to be $2 trillion. So I think that it's absolutely a ticking time bomb, uh, not on the level of Medicare and Social Security, you know, but it's but it's probably like number three. So it's uh, it's absolutely something that's going to explode, and it's it's going to be you know unpleasant uh, for the realization of what Congress did. Like I really don't think that Congress realized what they were doing. Like they thought that they were expanding access, making it easier for people to get an education. Where in reality, what they did is just kind of create a, a system that's like a perfect storm for colleges to just explode in number, in class size, and cost, basically everything. Especially graduate programs, like I mentioned. You know, for example. The number of pharmacy schools has like doubled in the past 10 years from like 70, I think, to like, I think it's about 140. That is unbelievable. You know, there's no way that the demand for pharmacists has, has, you know, matched that increase the number of schools. They're, they're opening them simply because schools realize, Hey, this is an extremely easy $200,000 that we can get per person. And, you know, if we can try to make this up on our graduate programs, then we can keep our undergraduate tuition from soaring as much, which helps us more politically. It's actually a very scary story. And, you know, the problem very often with Congress is that they don't understand the financial implications of what they're doing. And on paper, it looks fine. But when you sort of do the math and actually calculate, you know, like present value, everything and figure out the default rates and everything like that, it's actually a massive problem. And they don't realize what they're doing sometimes. 
Well, I would say the same thing about borrowers too, because so for that for that person who owes two hundred thousand dollars, is making fifty thousand a year. The type of debt repayment advice that you hear all across the, the just the, the world is pay down your debt, get, get out of debt as quickly as you can. It's toxic, you know. Make extra payments, try to knock it down as quickly as you can. Be done with it. But the problem is that fifty thousand dollar borrower cannot pay two thousand dollars a month easily to pay down their debt in ten years. It's just not physically doable. And what I more frequently will see is somebody will sign up for one of those income-driven programs, like for payments of $300 a month, but then they'll pay an extra $500 a month to feel good about themselves. So they'll pay $800 a month. Well, the problem is, is you know, $800 a month does about as much for you as $300 a month in payments because your balance is still going to grow. So it's still not helping you. And if you look at the present value of a loan forgiveness situation, then you know if you can make $300 type payments for 20 years, which is what pay as you earn is... Then that could be, you know, a amount of cash flow that's like sixty to eighty thousand dollars based off of your income growth over that time, and then the balance would be forgiven in twenty years if you're working in the private sector, and then you have to pay in- income taxes on that forgiven balance. So let's say you have to pay, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of income taxes. Well, if you do sixty to eighty thousand dollars of payments over twenty years, and then taxes of a hundred thousand in twenty years, then the present value of that. Could be as you know as little as half of what you actually originally borrowed, maybe maybe less than that. So that's kind of like the interesting thing that I see on the borrower side is like there's all kinds of ways to take advantage of of these loan repayment rules because they're very complex to lower the cost of your of your borrowing. But people tend to make, I would say, in our experience, ninety percent of people make mistakes that are uh, projected to cost them you know about fifty or sixty thousand dollars over the life of their loan repayment. It's interesting you talk about that because we were with some of my coworkers yesterday and I'm a teacher. So everybody always talks about, oh, well, you know, I'll make the minimum payment. And then in a few years, it will be forgiven by the Forgiveness Loan Act. And the whole time, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, like that does sound tempting, but that can't actually work. And we were talking about it a little bit with one of the girls I work with, and Dennis asked like one question. I was just like, and this conversation's over. She has no idea what you just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that, that program that you're referencing, so there's two big programs for teachers. And this, this will show you how poorly designed all these programs are. So there's teacher loan forgiveness, which will forgive up to 17500 if you're working at a low-income school for five years in a, you know certain subjects, basically. Right. So for that program, you're supposed to generally try to get it onto some sort of, you know, low payment or forbearance, you know, and, and wait out your five years and get your 17500 So teacher loan forgiveness is limited in the amount of money you can actually get forgiven. Public service loan forgiveness is unlimited in the amount of money that will, it will forgive. So public service loan forgiveness, you have to make payments on that pay-as-you-earn, revised pay-as-you-earn, IBR type of program for 10 full years while you're employed at a not-for-profit or government employer. So most teachers would actually qualify for public service loan forgiveness. Like the typical teacher would qualify if they're on the right repayment program. But here's what's ridiculous. The PSLF public service loan forgiveness is unlimited forgiveness, right? There's no caps on it. So, you know, a teacher might have to pay two or $300 a month for 10 years to get credit for that. Um, Now, what's ridiculous is the teacher loan forgiveness is five years long. Public service loan forgiveness is 10 years long. Wouldn't it make sense to have teacher loan forgiveness and public service loan forgiveness be something that you could do at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? So in other words, you're, you're making payments for public service loan forgiveness. Like they wipe away 17500 over five years just in case you don't last the full 10 years in the, in the job. Um, 
But what's happening is that people are signing up for the teacher one and they might have $80,000 of student loan debt and then they get 17500 forgiven, but then they still owe 60 something thousand. And then, so in reality there, what they should have done is said no to the teacher loan forgiveness program and say yes to the public service loan forgiveness program. And that difference in decision-making would have been worth the equivalent of an entire year's salary, maybe two years. Right. Well, and I did the teacher loan forgiveness and I was so excited when they were talking about 17500 but that's only for a select type of teacher. Right. And it's for uh, special needs and everything. Like, you have to be certified, though, because I had kids who had ADHD and special needs and everything in my classroom. But because I didn't have the certification, I was only eligible for the $5,000 forgiveness, which is right. still nice, but it's a lot different from $17,000. $17, or or fifty or 80000 or 100000 Right. You know, so the, yeah, so, so basically the teacher loan forgiveness is only a good program for somebody teaching in one of these key areas that has less than $20,000 of student loan debt. Right. If you have, if you have significantly more than 20000 of student loan debt, then this public service loan forgiveness, you know, option is, is, is much, much better. But, you know, just, just the fact that we're talking about how difficult it is, right. For, mm-hmm. for teachers to get, you know, forgiveness that they do qualify for, for their student loans shows you how poorly designed these programs really are. Yeah, it shouldn't be so hard. Well, I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about you for a minute, um, because you also have a pretty strong history with having to tackle student loan debt because your wife uh, went to med school, right? Yeah, you know, so for folks really into the FIRE movement, I actually tried to retire at 25 uh, and traveled the world for a little bit and Right before I left for my adventure around the world, we went to like 40 countries, I met my now wife. And she was in her, I think, second to last year of fellowship training, which is like, you know, one of the steps before you become a, a full, you know, a full, full um, attending doctor. And so we started dating kind of long distance. And then I would kind of come back between trips and like hang out with her. And, uh, and so eventually we kind of got more serious. And she was like, by the way, I have, you know, six figures of med school loan debt. And I thought, oh, shoot, like, I know that doctors make, you know, supposedly good salaries, but like, I didn't really realize that it came with all that debt. Like, it sounds really silly of me to say that. But, you know, unless you have like a, a you know, a physician in your life, or that it's part of your family, like, you know, I, I don't know, I just kind of assumed that they, you know, were able to pay off their loan debt really quickly and not really think about it very much. And what I found was that it was so complicated. Like, it wasn't just make a, you know, calculator, a payoff calculator and figure out what your monthly payment's going to be to be done in seven years. You know, it was like income driven repayment options, like refinancing, like private lenders. There's like a ton of them. And then public service loan forgiveness. Does she qualify for that? Like, let's figure that out. So the ridiculousness of it all um, kind of is what forced me to learn the skill set. And then we had one of our friends from vet school who had 380,000 of, uh, of, of, of debt and, my wife was like, you should charge her to make a plan for her. That would be a cool side hustle. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Like, you know, hey, you know, um, you know, Elena, would you want me to make a plan for you? She says, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. And then, um, and then eventually like the calculator that I was using went, went viral online. And now, now we've uh, kind of advised uh, close to 1500 folks, about 390 million student loan debt. 
Holy That's cow. absolutely crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so how yeah. important do you think it is to have an individual plan to tackle your student loans? I know you said it's very complicated, but is this the kind of thing that, you know, someone can do themselves or do they really need to seek out expert advice? I think you absolutely can do it yourself in a certain um, kind of category of person. So if you have a debt to income ratio, so your debt divided by your income, you know, around one to one or less, and you're in the private sector, and you know, you already know you're already married, like you're, you don't have anybody that you're getting married to potentially that has student loan debt, then, then just, just refinance. Like there's all kinds of, of refinancing links on my site and others that, that people can use. I'd suggest that people try to get a cashback bonus. Now there's a lot of, a lot of places that don't give cashback bonuses. I think that there's ways to get between $200 and $2,000 for refinancing your student loans now for most lenders. So that's kind of like a credit card travel hacking thing that you can do. Um, so if that's if that's you, it's it's really straightforward. You kind of like pick your payoff amount that you want, like how long it, what you want it to take, you know, cut back on your budget. Like it's fairly straightforward. You don't need our services. Um, if you owe more than that and you're in a not-for-profit or government employer, um, you, you probably would want to talk to somebody to make sure you're doing the, the public service loan forgiveness program right and you're not messing anything up. Because uh, you will get misinformation, you will get bad info from Fedlin Servicing, which is the place that handles all this paperwork for that program. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just important to to know exactly to be armed with information. And then, you know, certainly if you're in the private sector and you owe, I would call it more than two times your income, um, you know, for sure, because you're you're not definitely not preparing for the tax consequences of loan forgiveness in the private sector, and you're probably not thinking about like, you know, minimizing your adjusted gross income. Uh, things like that. So it's, it's, um, so I think that, you know, if you're, if you are one of those people that, you know, it's an obvious refinancing case, um, then, then you don't need someone's services like us. Also, if you owe less than $50,000, um, one forgiveness math is going to be probably difficult to work out for you unless you're in a very low income occupation. So I would say if you owe less than that too, like I would try to self provision because it's probably, you know, there's limited damage that you can do to yourself. Um, but yeah, so, so truly if you have like a bad debt to income ratio or you're the not-for-profit or government world, um, you know, or, or if you're just really just freaking confused, <laughs> you know, that, that would, that would be a reason to seek out expert help. I think most people may fall into that last category. <laughs> I know I did. I was, before I met Dennis and really like talked to him about my student loan, I was just like a student loan train wreck, I feel like. Well, like, so I'm just a short background on what Katie did. So Katie graduated and, you know, like obviously she took that year off and then like she got a teaching job and sort of got into it. And, you know, she figured out very quickly that she didn't really have enough money to make the payments that they were telling her to make. So she ended up going into like income-based repayment program. And then at some point, you know, she also didn't have enough money and they asked her if, um, she would like to defer her student loans. So, you know, Katie's like, oh, that sounds great. I don't have to pay it. So Katie ended up racking up another $10,000 of interest over a period of like 10 years. Um, mm. you well, know, and so- I also, it sounds completely ridiculous now, like looking back on it, but I heard this ad on the radio quite a few times on my way to work. Oh, uh, one of the scam ones. And yep. it was like, oh, if you're a nurse, firefighter, cop, teacher call this number, we'll help you with your student loan thing. And it was a scam. And yeah. I paid yeah. good money for a scam. And that also did not help. 
So yeah, so anybody like, listening, if you hear those on the radio, don't fall for it. Yeah, so just yeah. generally, like Katie fell into this hole where she just was like, I don't know what's going on. Like I thought I was doing a good job. Um, you know, like everything sounded great that I was doing, but you know, she ended up doing a lot of damage. And I think that is a lot of people. You know, they don't necessarily understand the consequences of what they're doing. And you know, you phone up FedLoan and you say, Hey, I'm. I'm struggling to make money this month. They say, oh, no problem. You didn't have to pay us. And that's what they want to say because they're just going to earn more interest and you're going to have to pay more. Well, and then the crazy thing is at the same time, I still had a really good credit score. So I didn't think that what I was doing was as terrible as what I thought, as what it actually yeah. was. Because if, I, well, if yeah. it was so bad, my credit score would reflect it, right? Apparently not. Well, yeah. I mean, so the loan servicers too, though. So people, the loan servicers actually don't earn any of the interest on your money. What they do get is they get monthly fees for like how long you're working with them. So the only incentive for these loan servicers is to get you off the phone as quickly as possible and making sure that you don't default. Because that's the two ways that they're judged with the federal government is the cost of the contract that they provide and the default rate. And that's literally it. And so they have like fairly decent efforts to like minimize the default rate, which you know, that's, they focus on that, but that only helps you if you're like, you know, just totally like you have $10,000 in debt. You just, you know, you're, you're working at Starbucks. You just can't afford anything. And you know, the, the folks that have the, um, more complicated situations, like the person you're talking to on the other line is they, you know, FedLoan got like $30 that year for you to talk to them. And so what kind of help are you going to get for $30? Like you're literally talking to the cable company, but it's like the biggest financial problem that you're ever going to face. Uh, until, you know, retirement or buying a home or something like that. Um, so it's it's just ridiculous. It's just a, a complete mess. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and, and two, like just to kind of show you another like way of, of thinking about this too, um, you know, you can actually, Katie, file separately for, for taxes from your spouse to keep your income really low uh, to get larger amounts of student loans forgiven. Mm-hmm. And you can, you might have to pay tax penalties to file separately. It just depends on the state. But that's just a hack that people don't even know about. Um, and for a lot of those teachers out there, that with you know even like the fifty, sixty thousand dollars balances, they could be getting half of their balance forgiven without any requirements to be certified and teaching in special ed and like you know those kind of things, which is just really crazy. Yeah, it, no, it really is, and it's a major problem out there. So, Travis, would you like to just give a quick thirty-second elevator pitch for Student Loan Planner? Sure, Student Loan Planner is the best group in the country for fixing one problem, what to do with your big student loan debt, 50 to 50,000 to a million dollars. And we charge one-time flat fee. Uh, it's like 300 to $600, depending on your debt level. And we're going to solve that specific issue. You're not going to have anxiety or concerns about your student loan debt after we're done talking. And it's a one-hour conversation. You get email follow-up uh, you know, with, with that too for six months after. And um, yeah, we're just passionate about helping people. Like we don't want anybody to sign up if it's not right for you. So like if people like contact us and you tell us a little bit about yourself, like I will do my best to try to steer you away from working with us if, if you just obviously need to refinance. Fantastic. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Money Clan, we have something really special for you today. I recently completed a brand new post on refinancing. You can head on over to chainofwealth.com slash refinance. There you'll, you'll land on my guide that I've created. It's got a built-in calculator so you can calculate how much money you could save if you manage to get a lower interest rate. The guide works through everything you need to figure out 
and really consider when you want to go the refinancing route. So definitely check it out. It's chainofwealth.com slash refinance. And this applies to any kind of debt, not just student loan debt. So Travis, I want to know what your personal saving plan and retirement plan looks like. Mm, great question. So so my wife and I are very different in terms of our uh, you know excitement about savings and investing. <laughs> so she really loves to just enjoy like the here and now, like likes to have, you know, nice experiences, likes to go out to eat. And I'm the kind of person that would go to Chipotle and split a burrito uh, with, with my wife, you know, so, so it, it creates some interesting uh, conversations. So our, our personal savings plan is, is typically uh, try to maybe save, you know, around uh, 25 to 50% of our take home pay and maybe about um, 10% to, to charity. Thanks to the encouragement of my wife. And then for retirement, we have uh, individual 401ks set up so we can contribute a lot more than the typical limit for retirement. Fantastic. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend to our listeners? Great question. Choose Fi is one of my favorite if people are trying to get free from the rat race. Uh, Fire Drill is another podcast that's really into the financial independence movement. You know, you, maybe you'll notice a trend. Like I, I kind of like these kind of, these kind of <laughs> podcasts. Um, Animal Spirits is a good one if you are really into financial markets and you're a financial professional. Uh, it's just kind of a fun recap of the week podcast. Um, and then, uh, yeah, those are those are three. So. Awesome. So do you have a quote that you try to live by? Ooh, that's a good one. You, how, about, <laughs> how about you can't take it with you? I like that because I feel like people forget that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> very at, true. At, at, the, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> in terms of profit maximizing for a business. Like one of the things I decided to do in my business was I would rather make less money and do more volume so that we can help more people. Um, that's, you know, like that's not necessarily the right decision for everybody like this listening. Like if you have a business, like a lot of times the smart thing to do is to work with, you know, 50 people that like really energize you, right? Or even maybe two clients that are really fun to work with that you're that you're helping achieve goals, like serving others or something. But But for us, I thought you know, this is such a big problem. And, you know, we could charge different prices, have a different business model, right? Um, But then we're having a limited impact. So, you know, the idea of I have to leave it all out in the field kind of applies to what I do every day, uh, because then we can change more people's lives. And like, that's what my goal is to do. And if if we do that, I think we'll do okay financially, like we're not going to be multimillionaires or anything, but we'll have, uh, we'll have enough. Yeah, and you're impacting people's lives. So that's really, really rewarding work. Yeah. One, one example real quick. There was a physician who was paying $2,600, no, $3,600 a month in her student loan debt. And Holy her husband boy. was an attorney that wasn't an, was not an attorney anymore and, uh, and basically was in default. And so instead of doing that, what we realized help them realize was they could pay 3300 a month on a different program they could file their taxes together and then the uh, husband's loans because he was working at a not-for-profit employer were actually on track to be eligible for public service loan forgiveness so he was in default it was creating stress in their marriage they were really like having a really hard time like trying to figure out what to do with his loans they were thinking about making big payments on his loans and instead under the projected rules, we showed them that he could be eligible for like three hundred thousand of loan forgiveness, and they the payment, wow. you know, and and they could reduce this conflict in their marriage. So, like, that's the kind of case that gets me super excited 
uh, and, and makes me really happy about, about what we do. Travis, thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Sure. I would just say, whatever you do, get a plan and educate yourself on this and don't be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand. Um, and, uh, you know, studentloanplanner.com forward slash contact. If you're just really don't know where to start, like that would be a great place to, to reach reach out and we'll try to help you best we can. Money Clan, we've been hanging out with Travis Hornsby. You can check out his website, studentloanplanner.com and definitely do something about your student loans. If you're completely lost, if you're in despair, there is someone that can help you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.